Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 172. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. So here's the thing. I live in the Midwest, and we've gotten rained on a lot this spring. But this morning was a glorious sunny day. It was the kind of day where you, you step out the door and, and realize what you should do is make a cappuccino, grab a thick book of poetry off the shelf, and go sit on the patio drinking your cappuccino and reading your poetry book and, and feeding your soul. What I did this morning, actually, is watch the dog poop, make a pretty mediocre plain coffee, and sit inside watching the Sunday Morning Today show. And then I record a podcast and play it on my phone. So, yeah, uh, I don't know uh, who wins in the soul department there between those two people, but, uh, you know, you can decide whether whether your podcast host has, has a soul or not. Um, we'll just leave that there. How you been, guys? May is firmly ensconced. We're about a third of the way through the month now. Time flies and all that. You know what else flies? This guy. Gonna prove that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike Hughes We are getting ever closer to the Flat Earth Exit the Matrix Exit the Matrix ep- Man Exit the Matrix Expo 2019. Uh, it's coming up May 25th and 26th in Las Vegas. That's in Nevada, you know. Mad Mike, of course, is headlining. He's going to be there with Exploring Again, Waldo Stakes, Chief Crow, Flat Earth Radio, Chris Pontius, and more to be announced. You know, they might want to get on that announcement part pretty soon because the thing's coming up really fast. Over there on the Rocket Man Facebook page, May 3rd, there's a post. Pat Marchese, the Samaritan helper in Rocket Man, cites one of his favorite Bible verses. Quote, This is Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You get what I'm saying? Close quote. Which really just says to me that they realize there's no science to back up what they're doing. They're just going on the hope that maybe this rocket launch will produce something. May 1, there's a shout out to Waldo Stakes who, as you know, is going to be at the um, Flat Earth Expo. This Facebook post says, Waldo Stakes is a driving force behind helping Mike with the rocket launch. He may not believe in the Flat Earth. Interesting. But he makes things move forward. He also happens to be Mike's landlord. So, I suspect really what's going on here, and I don't know Waldo Stakes, or Mad Mike for that matter, I suspect really what's going on here is, Mike was like, listen dude, I know I'm a little light on the rent. But once this rocket thing takes off, ah, see, I made a funny joke there. <laughs> right, Waldo? That was funny, right? But, uh, y- you know, anyway, once this rocket launch thing uh, takes off, the endorsement deals are going to be huge. And, uh, and I can pay the rent then, okay? Cool? Are we cool? Don't look at me like that, Waldo. Wait, wait what are you doing? What? Yeah, I mean, we don't really need any extra help with building a rocket, Waldo. I, I think we got it. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right, Waldo. We really should get this going a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, we could use all the help we can get, Waldo. Gee, thanks. And scene. 
So I think that's really what's going on there. All right, so over on the Twitter, um, there's a picture of Karen Dillon, bald. Uh, she shaved her head to play Nebula in those their uh, Marvel movies. Never realized I have anything to do with anything, but that's the first thing I saw when I, I flipped over to Twitter. Oh, I just noticed, I hadn't noticed it before, there was actually a Mad Mike Hughes for Governor account. Remember when he was running for governor? He got a whole uh, two followers and followed nobody, and the last post was October 2nd, 2018. Not much else on Twitter, basically the same post that I already talked about. Um, the Rocket Man Elton John movie, though, looks very interesting. As I've said all along, if you have to choose one Rocket Man this summer, uh, I know which one I would pick. And on that note, let's... Man, I wish I had some Elton John music to play here, but I don't. Uh, we'll just close it up. Close up this segment the traditional way. Gonna prove that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike Hughes So... Avengers Endgame. By the time you're hearing this episode, the movie's been out for a couple of weeks. Um, maybe a little bit more than a couple of weeks. Uh, for me, it's been about 10 days. And so far, I, I haven't seen the movie yet. Uh, so far, I have not been spoiled. Uh, Henry and I, uh, erstwhile random occasional co-host of this podcast, Henry and I are checking out the movie this afternoon. Uh, no spoilers, please. From the future. Um... My daughter, who couldn't care less about superheroes or Marvel movies, actually knows how the movie ends and has been threatening all week to tell me. Um, she even said she's going to text me during the movie with uh, spoilers because she knows you're not supposed to look at your phone during a movie. So I'm pretty excited to check it out. These franchise, big, flashy, explosion movies, especially when they're hyped as much as a thing like Avengers Endgame, don't always do much for me, and I, I'm totally expecting that the movie's not going to be the um, iconic cultural experience that all the hype makes it sound like it's going to be, but I thoroughly expect to be entertained. I like the Marvel movies, um, these Avenger movies, because, you know, an Iron Man and, and uh, not so much Thor. I don't really get into Thor movies uh, just because of personal taste, um, but I like what they do in the Marvel movies, generally, because even though they're, they're big superhero movies, and you're really just there to see the superheroes fight. They do make an effort to inject some character into the characters. So I appreciate that. I tend to be drawn more to character in movies than big explosions and stuff. I don't... Uh, I'm about to knock a franchise that I have never seen, so that's probably not fair. But like the Fast and Furious movies, all 84 of them, I've never seen one, so it's not really a fair observation. But from the commercials the trailers and things, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of character there. I get the sense there's a lot of fast cars and some wooden dialogue about, you know, uh, purporting to be character stuff, but really just kind of cliche, um, you know, pseudo feelings. Um, it's not to say I don't enjoy a good explosion or a good char, char chase now and then, but uh, that's really not what makes me show up for a movie. So I'm looking forward to Endgame because I suspect that it will do a nice job of both explosions and flying and stuff and uh, some, some um, emotional conclusion. 
to these characters' arcs. I also don't buy the concept that this is the end of the Avengers movies. Uh, you know, Ms. Marvel just got started. You know she's going to be back. You got, uh, you got the Tom Holland, right? That's his name? Spider-Man. I still haven't seen that one. I get the Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and the other Chris, Chris Hemsworth. They're probably all done. But there will be new, char- new actors playing those characters. So don't worry, Marvel fans. So yeah, so that's what I'm doing this afternoon. After uh, recording this podcast, going to go check out some Endgame. If you have thoughts about Endgame, you can now tell me them, because I've seen the movie by the time you're hearing this podcast. So uh, share your thoughts. While I'm talking about big franchises that I like, we are now into month five of our year without Doctor Who. We had a New Year's special on, appropriately, New Year's, uh, called Resolution, which was quite good. Um, No more Doctor Who, though, until sometime in 2020. No date announced, but the uh, you know the bet the the safe bet is that will be it will be early in 2020. So I've been jo- enjoying the Blu-ray box sets that they've started doing now. Uh, used to be you had to find the individual stories from classic Doctor Who on you know separate discs uh, and pay you know 20 bucks for them uh, if you could find them on eBay. Uh, you know, the new series they've been putting out in, in season box sets since the series came back. That's not new. But the old Doctor Who, you had to buy story by story on DVD. But now they've started taking whole seasons of classic Doctor Who and putting them on DVD or Blu-ray. And I've been picking up the Blu-rays. they got now two seasons of the fourth Doctor, a season of the fifth Doctor, and coming out in a couple of months, uh, a season of the third Doctor. Been enjoying those to get my sci-fi you know, classic, nerdy, uh, from my childhood, sci-fi, uh, fixed there. Um, of course, got the video games. Still got to watch, uh, Pixels. I'm thinking of that because, uh, for me, last night, Adam Sandler returned to Saturday Night Live. Of course, he's in, I think, in Pixels. Um, I've been saying for years now that I'm going to watch that and, uh, share you, with you all my thoughts on that video game classic video game based space invasion story I think uh, I don't know I gotta watch the movie other franchise stuff I don't care about games of Game of Thrones I, I know everyone's really excited about that um, I watched a couple of seasons of it uh, it started to feel like work to get through the episodes so I kind of gave up I may go back someday and uh, w- when I can get it at a reasonable price and binge episodes, however many I want at a time, without having to wait week by week, week by week, or you know, year from year, year to year for episodes or for seasons to come out. It's kind of like how Doctor Who does it, I guess. Um, maybe I'll go and rewatch it and, and uh, see what the big deal was. All right, have we hit all the franchises? Well, DC. Uh, I liked Wonder Woman. Um, I have little interest. I keep thinking I should watch the Batman and Superman movies from the last few years. But I just can't make myself do it because they look really bleak and dark and depressing. Uh, which is sad because those are great characters. Um, speaking of characters. Yeah. So. Oh, and there are books too. Uh, you know, there are video games and movies and TV, but hey, remember books? Um, so the message here is after this podcast is over, go read a book. Maybe that's what I'll do. A book of poetry, perhaps, with a little cappuccino on the patio. There, I brought it back around to the beginning of the episode. That's right, I'm a professional podcaster. Okay, 
Well, no other news, so let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Bugs. From Data Age, 1982. The manual, such as it is, there's not a whole lot here, tells us that the extermination instructions are as follows. You've been sent to investigate a life form that has been detected on a long dead planet, passing through the deadly cosmic tunnel. You land on the barren planet's surface to find an underground world ruled by a race of intelligent superbugs. Okay, hold on. If the planet is uninhabited, first of all, well, all right. They don't, well, yeah, they do say, they don't use the word uninhabited. They say long dead. There's a planet that is long dead. What the hell do we care if there are a bunch of big bugs living there? They can, you know, kill each other. What's, what's the threat? Secondly, if the planet is long dead, why are the bugs just hanging out underground? Why don't they go ahead and come up on the surface? Nothing's going to stop them, it would seem. I guess maybe they like it down there. I don't know. Uh, back to the manual. Countless numbers of these space-age creepy crawlies begin to emerge from massive subterranean colonies, along with the phylax, genetically engineered super drones that can penetrate any surface. Can you genetically engineer a drone? Is it like a cyborg drone? You know, m more that than like a Pizza Hut pizza delivery drone? Or Amazon? Or whatever? Hey, I heard a thing on the news the other day. I guess I do have some news. I don't know much about it because I didn't hear the whole report. But apparently they are looking into, they being that mysterious they that you hear about all the time, they are looking into using drones to transport organs. You know, like um, you harvest an organ from uh, somebody who's passed away, like a heart or a liver or something, and you get it in like Georgia, and there's somebody in Seattle who needs uh, a transplant. So you just, you know, put this thing in a box and send it off to uh, Seattle with the, on a drone. It's faster, you can track it better than if you just put in a, you know, an igloo cooler and send it off with an intern on a plane. And, you know, the, the scientists and whatever are, are thinking this may be the way of the future for organ uh, transfer. Some people are pointing out, well, wait a minute, there are parts of the country where um, statistically you get a lot, you harvest a lot more organs. Part of the report I heard didn't really go into why that is, but apparently that's true. But there are other parts of the country where, for whatever reason, they tend to need more organs. I'm guessing it's parts of the country where they figured out that you know maybe diets aren't as good, um, exercise isn't as prevalent, and basically they just wear out their organs more. And for whatever reason, they don't have as many available to uh, to transfer to transplant. So what might happen is that you'll have organs, you know, organ flight. People worry about, uh, you know, young, uh, intelligent workers leaving the state or industry leaving a state. Well, now they're worried about organs leaving the state. Um, you know, hey, we Minnesotans, those hearts are our hearts. Don't you send those to California or whatever. Because, of course, we live in a world now where everyone is all about uh, what's mine is mine and screw the rest of you. Uh, these are my borders, this is my town, my state, my country. So forget all you other people out there. What's mine is mine, and it stays right here. Uh, including, apparently, kidneys. No, that really has anything to do with anything. But apparently I'm in the mood to, uh, just wander topics. Did I mention I've had a lot of coffee this morning? Anyway, back to bugs. Mission basics. You must destroy the swarms of invading bugs out to immobilize your spacecraft before they completely leave their nests. At the same time, you must be on constant guard against the phylax oozing through the hull of your craft 
and bent on destroying your only weapon. We're using the uh, paddles for this one. For best contrast, turn the brightness control switch on your TV to a low setting. Plug your paddle controllers into... You know, we all know how to plug in controllers. Uh, so, so here's where it gets weird. Select the game variation you wish to play. One or two players. For one player, the number three will appear in the upper left-hand corner on your screen. For two players, the number three will also appear as the first digit in the upper right-hand corner, uh, upper right-hand score block. Parentheses. This number tells you the number of hits your weapon or ship can take before the game is over. Close parentheses. All that sounds like gobbledygook and way too complicated. But anyway. Select your level of difficulty by position how we know how to do that. Level A is for beginners. Level B is for more advanced players. You can match the skill levels of the two players by having one play at level A and the other play at level B. Press the fire button to start the game. For two players, player two uh, must press his fire button to start his turn. Using your controller, move your weapon directly underneath the superbugs as they emerge from their nests. If your weapon is destroyed by a phylax or if the bugs leave their nests and damage your ship, Press your fire button to initiate the repairs and continue the game. By the way, none of this is really evident on the screen that that's what's happened, other than touching the phylax. That's pretty obvious. But the bugs leaving the nest and destroying, uh, damaging your your weapon, or you making repairs on your weapon, so to speak, none of that is evident. It's just you're either moving or you're not moving, and the game is either going or the game has ended. So... Don't expect any cool, you know, graphics on the screen for any of that. To start a new game, press Game Reset. Scoring. Use paddle controller. Uh, using your paddle controller, position your ultrasonic weapon, the, quote, aiming cursor, seen on your screen, directly below the emerging bugs. You will see ultrasonic energy packets leaving your ship's firing bays. Um, in other words, a, a little black square. And moving toward the aiming cursor, destroy the bug above. You must destroy the bugs before they completely leave their nest or they will damage your ship. When you are destroying bugs, you must also watch for the phylax sent by the superbugs to penetrate your ship's hull and destroy your weapon. As long as a phylax is green, he is outside your ship and harmless. Your weapon is also harmless to him. But when a phylax changes color to yellow, a warning, and then red, he has entered your ship. You must try to destroy him by luring him into your weapon's line of fire before he makes contact with your weapon. Which is more difficult than it sounds, the way this game is set up. Here's how you rack up points. Each bug destroyed scores 1 point. Destroying a phylax scores 5 points. After you score 30 points, you advance automatically to a new skill level indicated by a new cosmic barrier, scoring a, a bonus of 8 additional points. That's how it always is. You get promoted, and all you really get is more work. Additional extermination strategies. Your ultrasonic energy packets will move toward your aiming cursor. Once you have fired, the packets will continue in the same direction, even if you move your aiming cursor. To destroy a phylax, position your aiming cursor so that your energy pad will pass through the phylax's path. Then quickly move your weapon out of the line of fire. After you have advanced to a new skill level, you may find more than one phylax has oozed through your craft's hull. Again, there's nothing about the little sprite on the screen that suggests oozing. That's all in your head as well. This means double trouble, but double challenge too. Use the tricky move described above on both of them. If you succeed in destroying all of the bugs leaving their nests, others will emerge to take their place, but they'll be moving faster. By keeping your fire fire by keeping your fire button depressed as you move your weapon back and forth, you have a better chance of putting them uh, putting these superbugs back in their place. And that is how you play bugs. Among Data Age's well-known titles, and 
were Journey Escape, which is a tie-in with the band Journey. I didn't know that. Frankenstein's Monster, which I remember being a really good game. I don't know if I've played Journey, whatever. If I've already done it on the podcast and I just don't remember it, that's embarrassing. But I don't think I have. Um, Date Age released fewer than a dozen games to mixed reception. Frankenstein's Monster was cited as a standout. But Snake, which I know I've played, and Warplock were included on a list of the 10 worst games for the 2600. Journey Escape also received poor reviews and weak sales despite a 4.5 million marketing campaign, combined with, a heavy, combined with heavy licensing fees and helped lead to the company's failure. Other games include Airlock, which I don't think I've played, Bermuda Triangle, featuring a title treatment and box cover illustration by Mark Erickson, Bugs, and Encounter at L5, and I know I've played that too. Secret Agent, along with Mr. Bill's Neighborhood, Smokey Bear, and Mr. T, were all developed, but all of them were unreleased, and only the prototype of Secret Agent has been found. Has anyone played the prototype of Data Age Secret Agent? If you have, please contact me. Okay, the first line of Atari HQ's review probably tells you all you need to know. There has to be a reason why Bugs is such a piece of crap. Alright, I wonder what this reviewer thinks. Perhaps Data Age knew something that we don't. Perhaps the game used a programming technique that subconsciously lures gamers to purchase additional Data Age games. Or maybe an angry programmer swapped the code just as a game with the same name was going into production. Whatever the explanation, there's no mistaking Bugs as one of the worst video games in history. That could be a little extreme there, Atari HQ. Graphics are awful. The only risk element, if you can call it that, are the Phylax mutants and the anticipation of the attach is the only thing that comes close to providing any sort of suspense. An extremely poor clone of Space Cavern and numerous other shooting games on the VCS. They give the graphics a 2, sound a 1, gameplay a 1, overall a 1. This was uh, Keith uh, Lita, by the way, who wrote that. Alright, well, the rest of this episode should be fun. Um, after the break, don't bug me, man. I'm just kidding, you're all great. But seriously, don't bug me. So, we've had a little bit of an ant problem in our kitchen the last few days. I want to attribute it to the wet weather, forcing the ants to flee inside, but it probably says more about our housekeeping practices than the weather. But still, you know, a few ants, what's the big deal? They're just little tiny bugs. You don't have to worry about tiny bugs. What could possibly happen if we just let them be? Live and let live, that's what I say. What could possibly go... Oh, no! Alright, so... I gotta say, I don't love the look of this game, but I don't hate the look of this game. I hate that phylax, um, weapon thing. I don't understand it. It bugs me. The bugs look like bugs. I can certainly tell that's what they are. Um, you know, maybe little uh, childish renderings of bugs, but still, you know, we got kind of centipede kind of things going there. Um, wow, that's the end of the game. 18 whole points, huh? Alright, we'll do this one more time. Uh oh. 
I just, uh, live in this field report, I think just messed up the cart for this game. Please stand by. Okay, we're good now. Alright, so the colors are very reminiscent of early 80s um, video games, right? You got the sort of the rainbow colors. Um, the graphics are pretty crude, of course. That phylax thing is kind of ticking me off. You're supposed to make it cross into your fire without actually touching it. I think I only managed to do that once this morning while I was messing around with the game. I don't know what difficulty setting I'm on. I don't really care. Take that, bugs. Alright, well... I feel like maybe this field report should be longer and I should say more. But I'll just save that for my thoughts uh, here in a couple of minutes. Or a few seconds. Whatever. Back to you in the studio. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer to the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So, here's the thing about bugs. I don't know that I would call it the worst video game in Atari history, but it's definitely not a good game. I think it has potential, certainly. Uh, the execution fails, I think. I'm pretty sure. But I like the premise. I think they could have done more with it, even in 1982. You know what I think it is? I think maybe, maybe initially they set out to make a little kid's game. Like, like preschool, kindergartner, you know, in the vein of, um, not necessarily the same tiny game, but, but at the skill level of like, um, the strawberry shortcake game is what comes to mind. That sort of skill level. But then somewhere along the way, somebody at date age said, nah, this could be really cool. Let's make this for older kids and adults. Let's make this a cool sci-fi space thing. But they didn't quite bump up the programming enough for that. Um, I think maybe that's kind of what was going on here. Because the bugs are, are kind of cute. They're not like creepy bugs. They're like, you know, cute little little kid type, you know, like a bug a little kid would draw. Uh, so that's my theory. I'm sticking with it. Yeah, there's not much else to say about it. it it's just not a great looking game. It's not a lot of fun to play. And I guess that kind of kills it there, right? You don't like to look at it, and you don't like to play it. So, worst piece of crap ever? It might be a little extreme. Not really a good game. That seems fair. (laughs) 
It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is actually a poem, and the poem is titled Bugs, a Poem. They say ten quintillion of you skitter across the globe. For every human, that's two hundred million. The mere sight of you creates fear in our frontal lobe. But perhaps we should think twice before we kill one. Despite all the insect fear, we still say, cute as a bug. Why is there such a division? Why grossed out by antennae, wings, and the thoraxes which those legs lug? If we claim bug as nickname cute, we must make a decision. So consider Bugsy Malone, a musical film spoofing gangsters. Sure, Bugs is in the name, but lighter in tone. Quite a conundrum for the bug haters. Meanwhile, mobster Bugsy Siegel is infamous and feared. Without him, there'd be no Las Vegas Strip. That town of gambling where food is cheap and Wayne Newton cheered. All I can say to that is, road trip! And now consider the case of Bugs Meany, the Tigers gang leader and foil to Encyclopedia Brown. Indeed, he's called Bugs and is a town bully. But he always loses, so mark this one down. So finally, consider the biggest Bugs of them all. He's mischievous, a wise guy, and so very funny. He sows chaos and laughs as victims all fall. Perhaps no one bugs others as much as the bunny. Where does this leave us? Are Bugs just a name or a menace? Well, maybe it's not worth the fuss but it's still gross to find one in your lettuce. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring, as well as the Circus Waltz music that you heard in the Misery Banana promo. Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Not Thoughts, by the way, is a book of short stories which you can order wherever you like to order your books. Okay, thanks. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers. Tell your friends. But whatever you do, make sure you bug out to iTunes and bug them to let you leave a review of this episode. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also check us out on Instagram. And if you like, you can call us. I'm not going to answer you, but you can leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978. Tell us about the secret agent data age uh, prototype if you played it. Tell us about bugs. Tell us about Marvel Avengers. I don't care. Any damn thing you want. Uh, Just give us a call. 563-265-1978 563-265-1978 and uh, you know I might play it on the show please consider supporting the show financially by making a donation on the Atari Bytes Patreon page movie tickets aren't cheap people I got a kid to entertain I'm just kidding the money doesn't go to entertaining my kid the money goes to you know making this show happen there are hosting fees and other costs associated with the production of a podcast and uh, anything you can do to help out with that is greatly appreciated. Uh, 
You can also still pick up shirts and mugs uh, related to the Atari Bytes podcast on our AB underscore pod underscore store on Zazzle.com. New items coming someday. Hey, hey, in addition to video games, do you also love Snoopy, Charlie Brown, the Peanuts gang from the classic Peanuts TV strip and all the related projects? Of course you do. You know you do. And you definitely have friends and family who do. Well, every month on the 15th of the month, a new episode of It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, which is my other show, drops. And on that show, we talk about anything related to Peanuts. The comic strip, the TV specials, the movies, the merchandise, the mind of Charles Schultz himself, the related projects. We have authors come on and talk to us, playwrights, uh, illustrators. Um, we do a whole lot of stuff over there that you would love to hear about. So go check out that show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. And tell your friends to do the same. Thanks. Next time on Atari Bytes. Sub scan. Which I really hope has something to do with sandwiches. Because I'm getting kind of hungry. Alright. Well, so until next time. Go play some old games. They've missed you.